0: been a while since you've seen that, I'm sure. That was recorded in 1963. I was 10 years old when the Beatles appeared on the scene. Now, the reason I wanted to kind of have that flashback is, is I, I think there was something going on behind the scenes of the Beatles singing that song. And, and what it is, is the Beatles would be part of of the generation that followed the builders. And the builders are the generation that came out of World War II with the realization, especially if you're British, wow, our nation has been decimated and so we need to rebuild our nation. Some of you may watch the History Channel. Occasionally they they will show uh, a segment on what uh, happened in London during World War II, I mean, it, it, I mean, amazing destruction uh, happened in London, and so in the UK, you've got a generation that, well, we've got to rebuild our nation, and the kids of the next generation felt the loss because the money of the nation is being poured into rebuilding the nation, and they're in Liverpool, which is a working class. City, and so they're, they're really saying the philosophy of the age. You know, I, give, that, give the free stuff to the birds and the bees. You just give me some money because I haven't gotten enough of it. And what I'd like to suggest to you is that that philosophy, that's, where it, that's why we're in trouble. The debt that we continue to not pay off started in World War II. And so really every generation since there has been... We've really been singing this song. This has been our philosophy of life. I mean, we can't imagine going throughout a day without some money. I mean, most days, everyone there's an exchange of money. Now, we like to receive money more than we give money. But there's still life life without some kind of exchange of money... Seems real foreign to most of us. And what comes along with money is worries. Like right now as a nation, we're, we're really worried. I mean, we've just come through the elections and now we're talking about fiscal cliff and that sounds really foreboding, doesn't it? I mean, it's all about, wow, money. This morning, we're going to contrast, I want the money with Peter who says... I don't have any money, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. You see, ministry can happen like really significant ministry can happen without money. Again, that may, again, that may, wait, because we, we, put, we put a price tag on most everything we do. If we had the money, we could do that. But that's not the mentality that Peter had. And he, and he learned that mentality from Jesus. So ministry can happen without money. Before we read the passage, one last thing. The Beatles got the money. They got lots of money. But did that money bring them happiness? No. No. It brought them a lot of sorrow. So money is not the answer to everything. So if you would stand with me. Let's look at Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, 16. If you want to follow along in your Bible, great. If not, follow along and I'll read the passage. One day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John were on their way into the temple for prayer meeting. At the same time, there was a man crippled from birth being carried up. Every day he was set down at the temple gate, the one named Beautiful, to beg from those going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for a handout. Peter, with John at his side, looked him straight in the eye and said, Look here. The lame man, the crippled man, looked up, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He grabbed the crippled man by the right hand, pulled him up, and in an instant, his feet and ankles became firm. He jumped to his feet and walked. The man went into the temple with them, walking back and forth, dancing and praising God. Everyone there saw him walking around, praising God. And they recognized him as the one who sat begging at the temple's gate, beautiful, and rubbed their eyes, astonished, scarcely believing what they were seeing. The man threw his arms around Peter and John ecstatic. And all the people on the Temple Mound ran up to where they were were at Solomon's portico porch to see it for themselves. And when Peter saw he had a congregation, he addressed the people. Please have a seat. Last week we talked about this new community that's forming in Jerusalem. It's a community of Jews... ...that are now following Jesus. It's a community of 3,120... ...and then God just keeps adding to their number every day. It's people that change their mind about Jesus. It's people that believed at one time... ...well, Jesus is a criminal. Jesus is a religious heretic. Jesus is is against our, our faith. Well, they've changed their mind. No, He's the Lord. He's the Messiah. He's the King. I want to follow Him. He's not dead. He's alive. So all that's happening, and they get into this daily routine. They get into this daily discipline that we talked about last week. So together, thousands of people are in a daily discipline of worship at the temple. They're in a daily discipline together of, of dispersing into homes in Jerusalem and sharing meals. Together, they are dis, they're, they're dividing food amongst each other taking care of each other, their hearts are full of joy and simplicity, and together they're praising God. What Peter and John are doing is they're showing up in this daily discipline of prayer at the temple, at the afternoon prayer. Within Judaism, at the temple, there's three times of prayer. There's morning prayer, there's afternoon prayer, and there's evening prayer. So again, this discipline is happening. But but notice notice the kind of the the timing thing so they're showing up they're just going about it, their daily routine and at the same time there's another family going about their daily routine they're bringing their son or their brother or their friend someone that was born crippled someone that could not walk he he was brought each time of prayer and placed at one of the gates into the temple where he could beg Ask for alms. I need help. I don't have a way to make a living. So the timing of this, how these two come together. They come together at a place called the Gate Beautiful. Nobody knows exactly where that is, but in all likelihood, it's not an interior gate. It would be an exterior gate. The reason for that is when, you're, when you were lame, when you were disfigured under the law... You were not allowed access up on the temple mound. You you couldn't go and and provide a sacrifice. You you couldn't participate because of, of being crippled. This is one quote that just kind of brings that home. There were quite severe restrictions concerning the cultic functionality of anybody with a deformity. According to Leviticus 21, physically disabled people had no business whatsoever to even enter the temple, let alone serve as priests for fear of polluting the house of Adonai with their perceived impurity. Now, this is before the ADA, because this would never fly in our day. But anyone with a physical deformity was restricted from participating in worship in the temple. And they were not only restricted, but they carried with them a stigma of you're unclean. Remember the, the time that the disciples see a, a person that had been born blind? And the disciples asked Jesus, well, is he blind because of his sin or the sin of his parents? So there's really this really, really negative attachment to anybody that was blind, lame, deaf, mute... They're unclean people. Something has gone wrong in their life. So when this man is being set at this gate called beautiful, it's not really very beautiful in his life. I mean, he's living a life, he can't walk, has never walked all of his life. And he's also living a life where, where there's social stigmas upon him. And, and Peter begins, there's something profound in this when he says, look at me. Because the picture is, like most People even today that would be asking for alms. Not many people look you in the eye. You know, do you have some extra money? It's kind of like, I'm ashamed to be asking you for money, but I'm in desperate straits. You notice what Peter does. Look at me. Look me in the eye. So there's so much going on. It's so great. And it's interesting as that interaction begins, we, we begin to just this intriguing idea that Peter's out there doing ministry without a credit card or some dollar bills. I mean, he's doing ministry without money. Because when Peter says, I don't have a nickel to my name, that's, it's true. I have no silver and gold. I don't, I can't, you know, I can't give you a dollar bill. I can't charge it. I, I cannot contribute to your need financially. Now, if you think about it, this is not the first time that Peter was out of money. There was another time, this is a, I think this is a hilarious conversation. You can back up and read it in your Bible, Matthew 17. One day, you know, Peter's with Jesus, the other disciples, and this priest says, you know, just, just picture, you know, this priest kind of hands on his hip. So, does your rabbi pay the temple tax? And Peter, well, yeah, he does. And then he went to ask Jesus, <laughs> do, do we pay the temple tax? I just think it's so great that he was so quick to defend Jesus, but he didn't know what he's talking about. So Jesus says, well, yes, we need to pay the temple tax, but we don't have any money. So what you need to do, Peter, since you're a fisherman, you need to take your neck, catch a fish, and in the mouth of that fish you'll find what we need to pay our temple tax. Get the coin out of the fish's mouth and go pay it. See, Jesus didn't have money either. So I begin to think about just kingdom currency. You know, what's going on in the life of Jesus? What's going on in the life of Peter concerning money? So I remembered, they're living in community, so all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned. And it seems that the emphasis is they sold the excess ...property, the excess belongings. They, they, they entered into a more of a lifestyle of simplicity... ...selling the excess. They pooled their resources... ...so that each person's need was met. And what they tended to do... ...they brought, they brought the proceeds of their, their sale... ...and they gave it to the apostles to distribute. So when Peter is walking around... ...and he doesn't have any change in his pocket... ...it's because he's given it all away... ...to the benefit of the community... So he had learned from Jesus the value of caring for others. A friend one time defined prosperity as the ability to meet every need. And so here they are living in a community and every need is being met and the funds that come in travel through an apostle like Peter to care for others. Then I begin to think, oh, where, where, where did he learn to do that? Well, it's things like this. In Matthew 17, the parables of the kingdom, God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. And the trespasser, the finder, he's ecstatic. What a find. And he proceeds to sell everything he owns to raise the money and buy that field because there is a treasure called the kingdom of heaven that I can sell everything for and, and purchase. And then God's kingdom is like a jewel, a jewel merchant, on a hunt for an excellent pearl. And finding one that is flawless, he immediately sells everything and buys it. So it seems that Peter is living out something that Jesus taught him, which was sell everything so that you can get the kingdom. It reminded me of that conversation Jesus had with the rich young man. How, how, what, what do I need to do to get in on this? And Jesus said, well, you need to sell everything that you own and give it to the poor and come along. You see, they're living, they're actually living this. Then they actually took Jesus at his word, and they're actually practicing this. So you remember Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount. A couple of times he says things about money. One, he says, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money. At the same time, it doesn't work. Seek first. Make it a priority. Make the kingdom the priority of your life. And the righteousness, the the right way that the king directs your life. And then all these things, this food, this clothing, the things of life, that'll, that'll come. It'll be provided like a coin in a fish's mouth. So I think all of that moves into this scene of Peter saying, you know, I don't have a nickel. I don't have a nickel in my pocket because I'm following Jesus. And I've learned from Jesus the value of receiving money and giving it away so that everybody's need is taken care of. And and I've learned the value of divesting myself of everything so that I could have what is most important in life. I don't have a nickel, but look at me. I don't have have a nickel. Look at me. Look up at me. What I do have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus, walk. You know, and it would have been one thing if it was just words, but he followed through with, he grabbed the guy's hand and pulled him to his feet. Do you know what risk was involved in that? I mean, Peter had to actually believe something was going to happen. And it did. In an instant. The guy's standing for the first time in his life. And then from there he proceeds to go up the steps into the temple for the first time in his life. Thank you, Nathaniel. See, what I have I can give you so, when, when I think about you know, how, do we, how do we begin to live this in our life? You know, you know, one, we want to love God. We don't want to love money. I mean, Paul will warn us the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So, if you look at the evils that we're still struggling with on the planet, follow the money trail. It's always about money. You and I live in a, in a in a society that's built on consumerism. It's built on you and I having money to spend. Money to spend. Money to spend. Money to spend. And there's never enough money to spend. And so we, we can get sucked into, don't let the culture around you squeeze you into its mold. We can really get sucked into... Focusing on money more than we focus on Jesus. And I think we need to really encourage each other that we keep the focus where the focus is. We want to love God first and foremost. And yes, we want to be good stewards. I mean, money is a reality. We're going to have to deal with currency. But it doesn't need to control our lives. We don't need to be singing the song of the Beatles. And from there, we, we want, we, I mean, I, I don't know what it is, but we, we've got to divest ourselves of anything that keeps us from the kingdom. I mean, it, truthfully, we love our home. We love where we live. We have a refuge. We feel so blessed, so thankful. But if I sincerely, and I think with Susan, we'd have to do this together. If we felt like our home (coughs) was keeping us from participating fully in the kingdom of God as we would participate today, we would sell our home. And if the funds from the sale of our home were in the way of us fully engaging in the kingdom of God, we would give the proceeds of our home away. Wouldn't we? Oh, we'd have to have a conversation. (laughs) See, in 10 years, we're going to make that decision. Best I know, Lord willing. 10 years, our house will be paid for. Ten years, we possibly will be selling our house. And then we got a big decision to make. What are we going to do with the proceeds? See, if those proceeds are in the way of fully engaging in the kingdom of God in my day, I don't want that. I don't want the proceeds. I want the kingdom. I want Jesus to have full rule and reign in my life. I want his power and his dignity to go through me to touch my world. See, that's what's happening with Peter. Peter divested himself. He walked away from his business. You know, if you thought about that, Peter and John, were, they were small business owners. And Jesus said, follow me. And they, they walked away from their business. They walked away from their source of income. They walked away from their families. To follow Jesus and, and to live in the kingdom. And when it came down to a lame man outside of a temple, Peter was able to say, I don't have any money to give you, but what I do have, I can give you something of the kingdom. Walk. Wow! I mean, I don't know if we have to make that choice. I don't know if God's saying, okay, choose between... I don't know. But, you know, when it comes right down to it, which, which do we prefer? You know, do, do we want to give the people that are asking for help? Do we just want to give them a bottle of water? Do we just want to give them a little cellophane thing of crackers? Do we want to just give them a dollar bill? Or do we want to give them something more? Do we want to give them something of the kingdom? Do we want to give them something temporal or something eternal? I mean, I do think it's those kind of things we've got to think about. I mean, this, this this gift that Peter gave, so exceeded this man's expectations. One, I, I but I doubt if he'd ever have somebody said, "Look in your eyes, look up, sir." I, I'm not, I don't think that that lame man had somebody treating him with dignity. Peter was treating this man with dignity. Because the kingdom is about treating others with dignity. Recognizing the image of God stamped in you. I don't care if you're crippled. You're created in God's image. And also, I see beyond that cripple. I see a whole person. Because the kingdom sets things right. And he wants to do that right now. Walk! Man! The guy, he did had no expectation. All he expected was, think, A coin in his cup. Dink! And what did Peter get? He so exceeded his expectations. He, he was treated with dignity, and then he was healed. He walked. So, again, we, don't we, want, we want to be that kind of community that we give more than money out to people, and we so exceed the expectations of the people in need around us. See, I, I, I know... I, I know. I want us to receive power from... The, this doesn't happen in and of ourselves. I mean, receiving power from the Holy Spirit, which sets things right now, demonstrating the kingdom of God that has come and is coming. So if you think about it for a moment, in the garden, when got originally created... Man, woman, trees, keep going. That's, that's, that was perfection. There wasn't a lame person running around the garden. Then if you jump over the present age that we're living in to the age that is coming after Jesus' return, there won't be lame people running around there. There'll be no crippled people in eternity. And so this wholeness from what God originally created, that wholeness is going to be restored in a universal sense. Everything that went wrong with the fall of mankind and the fall of the universe is going to be corrected. And what Jesus has done, He's introduced that future kingdom into the now. And so any person blind, any person deaf, any person mute, any person lame, then you start going down the things that are going on in our lives, any person with cancer, any person with heart problems, any person with, you know, an Achilles heel that's gone crazy. (coughs) When When those are made right in the now, that's the kingdom of God. That's a demonstration of where we're going, where things are going to end up. And it's the Holy Spirit that empowers people to participate with the God who's setting things right. It doesn't happen all the time, but it has the potential of happening all the time. So we want to be that kind of a community who receives power from the Holy Spirit. And when we get in these situations... We're in relationship and we're listening as God gives us instructions. Today, I want to set things right in this person's life, so do this. And it demonstrates the kingdom that Jesus announced and the kingdom that is coming. This is the kind of community we want to be. Now, one of the ways... We're trying to live out, we're trying to kind of take the big picture, that was a pretty big picture, we're trying to bring it down to just relationship, one-on-one. And so we've talked about two chairs, and we want to talk about that again today. But before I talk about it, why don't we all kind of move about so that there's at least a chair between you and the other person. So you've got to have an empty chair next to you. One of the prayers that I'm praying as we travel through Acts, and I welcome you participating and praying with me, is that we would, as the generation we're reading about in Acts, as they received power to testify, both in words, and now we just saw in deed, as they testify to Jesus, that that's, why that, that's why the power came, is that they could tell others in a convincing way who Jesus is so convincingly that people followed them. Well, I would love for that, to, that same power through the person of the Holy Spirit to come upon us, and we'd do the same thing. We'd be able to declare by deeds and by words who Jesus is, and people would be convinced to come along with us in following Jesus. So we talked about who, who is the person in our life that we could befriend So say good morning to the person next to you because you've already decided who that person is. So, hello, person next to me. And then then we talked about how do we then enter into that person's world. And and that's based upon how how God's treated us. Jesus never said, you know, you need to come up to heaven and figure it out. He said, I'm going to come into your world so that you can get to know me. So in some ways, the church has always made the mistake, uh, well, we'll, just, we'll make sure we have a good banner on the front of the church and we'll make sure people know, you know when we meet and we'll, you know, we'll be winsome, we'll just invite people to just come to us. Well, Jesus never said, invite people to come to you. He said, go to them. And he modeled that. So we need to go to people. We've got to enter other people's worlds. Then as we go, we want to start Conversation. But when you start conversation with people that you're befriending that don't have a friendship with Jesus, you don't want to start with Jesus. You don't want to start with church. You don't want to start with the doctrine of double predestination. I mean, we, sometimes we, we just throw this stuff into conversation and people go, what, where did you come from? What, what language are you speaking? Can you define that for me? I don't know what that is. Maybe I don't even want to know what that is. So just talk about your dog. Talk about your favorite food. Talk about a sporting events. Talk about what's in the news. Just be a friend. Talk about what you're interested in. Find out what they're interested in. Have conversation. And then do it again and do it again and do it again. So we've kind of reduced conversation to one time, but lots of conversation. Eat. You know, enjoy, a, get to know a person. And then at some point, the question is, when When? when have I earned the right to be heard? When, when can I cross the bridge? When, when can I introduce faith into the conversation? And I think that if we, in, in, in befriending a person, entering their world, visiting with a person, we can be asking the Holy Spirit, when, when, when do I cross this bridge? And when we cross that bridge, talk about you and Jesus. Tell your story. And not just I was saved when I was 17. It was yesterday Jesus and I were talking. And I was learning this yesterday from Jesus or this morning. I mean it's I mean yeah, great. I was saved when I was 17. Well, what about now? What about today? hanging out with Jesus now what's Jesus teaching me now and talk about your story about Jesus so what I want to invite you to do now is just just take a moment and pray for that person that you're befriending pray for that person that you're entering their world pray for that person that you've begun conversation with and now just the prayer is when when do I begin sharing my story about Jesus. When do I begin answering their questions about Jesus? So take a moment, and pray that way. Holy Spirit, thank you for the people in our lives that we want to befriend. And thank you that through those friendships, by entering into another person's world, by entering into conversation, thank you that the day comes when we get to tell about um, what we've discovered in life, how how life has begun to work, because we've met you, Jesus, because you've made all the difference in the world, that I, I wouldn't know how to live life without friendship with you. So Lord, I ask that you continue moving all of us in relationship with people around us that need friendship with you, that need community like we enjoy. And Lord, thinking about our community, I I do, I pray that we would be a community, a community that loves you, a community that has decided in its heart we're going to love you more than we love money. Lord, we want to be a community that divests ourselves of anything that keeps us from full participation in your powerful and dignified rule. Lord, we want to be a community that gives far more than money to those that are in need all around us. We want to be a community that exceeds the expectations of those that are looking for help. And Holy Spirit, we, we want to be a community where you empower us with abilities that are beyond ourselves, where we we naturally, supernatural, become people who participate in what you're doing in our day. You're setting things right. You will not be stopped. You will set things right on planet Earth. And when you return, Jesus, you'll finish it. So we want to join you, Lord. We We want to just I would invite you to empower us uh, to do deeds of your kingdom, to speak of your kingdom, to join in what you're doing and setting things right, Lord. Not, not settling for things as they are, but, but praying, beseeching, uh, petitioning that, that, Lord, you would work through us to set things right. Lord, this is the community that we want to be, but you can activate that, so we invite you activate our hopes and our dreams in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for our morning together. I look forward to hearing our stories as we kind of keep moving down this path of befriending people. So uh, keep, keep keep at it, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.